Welcome to the Steadfast Carlsbad podcast. This morning's message was taken out of our 10 a.m. service. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. Thanks for tuning in. In the past weeks, uh, we've been talking about this amazing character, Melchizedek. Like, it's, it's coming, it's coming. We're going to talk about Melchizedek. We're here, okay? Uh, this mysterious character that there are so many different ideas of who he is, why he's, how he got there. All, but we got, what's so interesting is he's got like three verses in Genesis, one verse in Psalms, and then this. And it's like, what, what, what is all of this? Yet, we see Jesus, because remember, Jesus is greater than, what, are, what have we gone through? The angels, right? He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the law. He's greater than the land. He's greater than the priests of the day. Jesus is greater than all these things. And then we have this, this warning against not taking it seriously and, and choosing to not progress and walk and, and, and recognizing like this was meant to be an active relationship, not one that we kind of just kind of cruise and sit by. And then he, he commends them like, but that's not going to be you guys. You're going to keep on going deeper. You're going to keep on being, seeing more. God's going to keep working and moving in your life. And so now we have this emphasis on this great high priest. And we know the, our ultimate high priest is who? Jesus, who is a great high priest, who uh, sim- it was tempted in all ways and, and can sympathize with our weaknesses. So he gets it. And he loves us and he's advocating for us. And he's like our, he's our guy. <laughs> this amazing picture of a high priest. Now the high priest in the Aaronic Levitical line is, we know, they would go and, and make sacrifices for the people. They would go, they'd be the only ones that could go into the Holy of Holies. And it was like this whole thing. And we know when Jesus died, the, the veil that was the Holy of Holies where God dwelt in the camp God is now in the camp, has now been torn. Now he's everywhere. This is where Jesus, now the high priest, has made his presence all around us. The spirit of him now living in us. So the high priest we see is a different kind of high priest because what was, what, what was Jesus from the Levitical line? Who's Levi? A son of who? A, Levi's a son of, but like his actual dad. You guys remember? You guys remember? Yeah, Jacob, right? Yes. Which, but which line is Jesus under? Judah. This, this character, Judah. Genesis 38. Re, it's wild. Why on earth is it Judah? And yet we see through this kingly line, the Judah. Judah is the kingly line. We're going to see this guy Melchizedek is both a king and a priest, something that does not exist. Either there's the king, there's the priest. Jesus is a priest under the order of Melchizedek. So we've got this really interesting story. And, and at the end of chapter 6, it, verse 20 says, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus becoming high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Not according to the order of Aaron. Not according to the order of Levi. This is a higher priesthood. And we're going to see one that doesn't have a beginning or an end. That had a beginning, right? When did that one begin? Really, I mean, it, it really became clear that it was with Aaron. Like, we're really, you know, we, the establishment of the law and the tabernacle and all these things. And then there was an end 
right? Jesus dies and rises again from the dead. And I, you could technically say like Pentecost really is where this is a brand new, wow, Holy Spirit now living in all of us who are in Christ. Verse one, for, Mel, the, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. So uh, here's this mysterious king of Salem. Salem is the old term Jerusalem. This is the king of Jerusalem, Melchizedek. Uh, again, like I said, mentioned in three verses in Genesis chapter 14. We're gonna actually read Genesis 14, um, I think the first like 20 verses to get some context here. But then one verse in Psalm 110 where David refers to him in the line of David or, or like when he's talking about the priestly, the kingly line. King of Salem, yeah, again, old name of, uh, for Jerusalem. There's a lot of significance there. He was a priest of the most high God. Um, what's interesting is you go, well, where did this guy come from? God's establishing his people in Abraham. How is there somebody else that's like a priest for the most high God? I think it's important to understand that there were other people that were worshiping the living God at this time. And so whether... We're going to talk about this more. Was Melchizedek a a regular man or was this a Christophany that we see like in Genesis 17 where God is shown as a man talking with Abraham? Is Melchizedek actually Jesus? Or is he um, a, a character that perfectly personifies what an Easter egg of what Jesus will look like? So we have this king of Salem, uh, Melchizedek, called the uh, God of the most, uh, or priest of the most high God, the real living God. Um, Yeah, not through the lineage of Aaron or Levi, because he's talking with Abraham, who's Levi's great grandpa. So that's why it's going to talk about Levi being in the loins of Abraham. Yeah, like he ain't around, basically, okay? Uh, he has not yet come to be. And so we have this priest that's higher than all of that. So Genesis 14, I think it'd be interesting. I'm, we'll have the, it up here if you want. But uh, this story is really interesting. Came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elasser, uh, Chedorlamer, that's, that's a kind of a Pokemon, uh, king of Elam, or Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, that they made war with Bera, king of Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Admah, Shemeber, um, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zor. Oh, good, I was wondering. All these joined together in the valley of Siddim, that is the Salt Sea. Twelve years they served uh, Chedorlaomer, um, and in the thirteenth year they rebelled. So it's going to be, there's going to be four kings against five, if you do the math here. And in, so in the 14th year, Chedorlaomer, however you say it, and the kings that were with him came and attacked uh, the Rephaim and the Ashereth, Kerniam, uh, and the, uh, the Zusim in Ham, the Emim, and the Sheva. Uh, this is a, a, a intensely hard group of words. Kiriathaim and the Horites in the Mount uh, mountain of Seir, 
uh, as far as El Paran, which is by the wilderness. And they turned back and came uh, to En Mishpat, uh, that is Kadesh, and attacked all the country of the Amalekites and all uh, and also the Amorites who dwelt in uh, Hazazon Tamar. And the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Admah, the king of Zebium, and the king of Bela went out together in battle in the valley of Sidim uh, against, uh, yeah, you know his name, the king of Elam, title, king, so all of them. Okay, four kings against five. Now the valley of Sidim was full of asphalt pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Some fell there, and the remainder fled to the mountains. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all the provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, Abraham's brother's son, um, dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. So the four kings attack the five. They destroy them. They, they, are either, they either fall or they flee. They're gone. And so part of this is Lot's nephew. And he's part of, I mean, Abraham's nephew, Lot. So he's part of this. So someone comes and escapes in verse 13 and came and told Abraham, the Hebrew, for he dwelt with the terebinth trees in Mamre, the Amorite, the brother of Eschol and the brother of Anir, and, and were allies with Abram. Now when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his, listen to this, so that he's facing four kings who've just wiped out five kingdoms. So what does he do? He armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheva, that is the king's valley, and after his, his return from the defeat of Chedorlaomer, okay, and the kings who were with him. So Abraham it goes out in pursuit to go rescue his nephew, and they are able to overtake them in the night. As God has blessed him with this victory, clearly, because it just doesn't make any sense. And often you'll see the victories that are won by the children of Israel are a distinct um, uh, signpost for all other nations to not know, wow, those, those boys from Israel are bad to the bone, but that there's a God with them that is. And so often we see where even their original tactics, which are always, the original tactics are always the tactics of man. We always think in those terms first, don't we, it seems like. How can we do this our way? How can I make this happen? How can I use, you know, the powers of the world to win this thing? And then God says, hold on. How about you do it my way? And we'll make it very clear it wasn't you. So Abraham has won this victory that was absolutely unbelievable. So then we see in verse 18, here's Melchizedek. This is his verses, okay? Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the most high God, almost of the God of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. That's Melchizedek. Interesting. So Abraham's had this crazy scene. He ends up winning this victory. It's clearly from God. And then this, this king of Salem 
who is also a priest, comes out and meets him with bread and wine. Really interesting. And he's proclaiming blessing, and Abraham subjects himself to being blessed by him, who was, remember what, what was one of the things about Abraham? He was going to be a blessing to all nations, yet he's under this guy Melchizedek. So he's being blessed by him, and he's giving tithe to him of all that he had been given, or he received, okay? So keep all that in mind. A lot of context. Verse two, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. We just saw that. First being translated king of righteousness, then also the king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the son of God, remains a priest continually. So we have Abraham giving a tenth, which is showing honor to this priest, uh, putting him above him, who is called the king of righteousness and the king of peace. What does this sound like? I mean, it's, it's, it's so Christ, it's a glimpse of Jesus. In Genesis, in Genesis. And so we have this happening in Genesis, then however many thousand years later, David, maybe a thousand or whatever, David mentions it in Psalm 110. We'll get into that next week. And then let's pick it up in Hebrews, post-Christ, and say, you, know, you remember that guy Melchizedek? Let's look at it with some new eyes. Bet you didn't see this. Bet you did not see this. And so what do we, what do we know about this guy? Well, he is a king of righteousness. He is the king of peace without father, without mother, without genealogy. Uh, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. Now, that sounds to me like it's 100% got to be Jesus. But uh, I think it's important to note, it could just be the fact that none of this is recorded, right? Because Genesis has a lot of genealogies, right? You know how to get from Adam to, to Noah to Abraham. Like, everybody has these... Here's their fathers, here's their mothers. And what else does it say? They lived this many years, begot these, this many kids, and then they, they died. Well, this guy, Melchizedek, we have no records of any of that. So it could be that it's just not recorded. We don't know for sure. Like, we don't know. It doesn't say anything about his mother or his father or how long he lived, the beginning or the end. Whether or not this is a Christophany, like Jesus in the flesh or it's a, a man of God that was used for the season. The amount of information we were given helps us to understand that this kind of priesthood does not have a beginning or an end. This is what we're supposed to get out of this. That, that, that this is a different kind of priesthood. No beginning, no end. Of course, we'll see the Levitical line is a bit of a concession, I think the Mosaic law has, uh, it's a concession to a lack of the Abrahamic covenant being played out in real life, where the children of Israel were not fully trusting God. They kind of made their own way. They were not completely loyal to God. They were constantly bringing in other gods into the camp, right? They weren't living out in righteousness and justice. They were not being above reproach among the nations. They didn't continue to trust that God had everything under control for them. 
And so we have the mosaic, which is a much more clear cut. This is how my people will look different, very clearly. And here's how Jesus can live in the camp. And here's the priest that can make it work. But guys, you know, this is a shadow. It's a shadow. It's the beta version of the real thing. This is not what you're waiting for. This is so much better than it was when, when he wasn't in the camp and you were alone, but this is still a shadow. It's still just a glimpse. So look unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher. He's done it all. So there's no going back. There's no going back. And so this guy, Melchizedek, it represents a different kind of priesthood. So Jesus is a king and a priest, the king of kings, lord of lords, and yet the perfect, great, high priest. So Melchizedek had to be a different kind of line altogether. And there could be no beginning or end because he's representative of Jesus. So there's no, there's no genealogy. Whether it's, it's a Christophany, maybe. Whether or not, we don't know for sure. But the point remains the same. This is a different kind of priesthood, a much, much better priesthood, one that didn't begin and end. You guys actually know what part of the, uh, the idea of making Adam and Eve was that they would be priests. And we, in a sense, in Christ, are all priests. Like, so we are now part of that long lineage in Christ where we're now these priests, I was talking to one of the guys on Cannon's baseball team, one of the kids uh, on his team. I love it. They ask these questions. They don't, you know, a lot of them don't go to church or whatever, but they always ask me questions because they trip out. Like, you're a pastor, you know? And, and one of them said, hey, are priests allowed to have tattoos? And I'm like, I don't know, you know? <laughs> I'm not a priest. But then I'm like, wait a minute. Yes, I am, you know, but I know what you're trying to say. He's like, that, isn't that kind of weird that a priest would have tattoos? I'm not a priest, you know, like in the sense you're talking about. But the idea is we're all these kind of priests which are ambassadors to the world. And in a sense, we have a place of being like small Christ mediators to the world. Whereas what is Jesus doing? He's, he's our, our great mediator who's going between us and the Father. We have this ability to meet with people and come and bring the truth of Jesus here. You know, if you're ever counseling with someone, the job of the counselor is the best thing you can do is, is being able to understand how to make the other person hear what they're saying without bias. Do you get what it's meaning? That's not what they're saying. You're saying this. That's not what they're saying to you. They're actually saying this. And if you can understand that, then nope, nope, nope. You're, you're hearing it wrong again. And then you go, okay, now what are you saying? Let me translate. Here, you know, and like, well, it's because that one time you always do this. And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. That is not what they're saying. <laughs> so in the same way, we have that same kind of a calling as Christ followers, Christ ambassadors. Everywhere that we go as almost like priests, where we are bringing heaven to earth everywhere that we go. So everywhere that you go, there's a small sphere of kingdom here. We bring it. And so that's the glimpse we get into this. The, the great high priest, Jesus, the mediator, who can sympathize. By the way, as Christ followers, we can do really well with sympathizing with other people's weaknesses, can't we? 
Oh, you tell me, did you get saved under people who acted like they had it all together and and treated you like junk because you struggled? No, 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 no. Who was the people God used in your life? You're you're like, oh my gosh, you're rotten like me. You're just, oh my gosh, you're a sinner saved by grace just like me. You've got a story just like me. And then you find out you're like, oh, that's amazing. And you go, whoa, there's God. If he can save that, if he can save you, and, and people can come into each other's lives and say, man, I get it. It's one of the things I get to say, especially with my son, we're very similar, very similar. So that means a lot of, that our struggles are similar. So I could say to him, listen, dude, this is frustrating me. And you want to know why? Because it's, I'm looking in the mirror right now. But if I can, instead of going like, you should do, I, I figured it out. You should figure it out being like, dude, I remember. Let me tell you some stories about how hard it, it was for me. I remember this. I remember struggling through that. I remember not being able to turn that off and people saying, please stop, please stop. And you're like, I, I can't do, you know. But when we sympathize and they go, really? Well, then, then what did you do? <laughs> so how, did you get out of, how did you get out of that? How did things change from there? Like what, what happened? It's sympathizing with people's weaknesses. And, and I'm, I'm concerned in a polarizing culture that we've, be, we've, stopped, we've started to lose our ability to sympathize with people who have weakness. And we've forgotten that we too have weakness. So we gotta be really, really careful that we don't all of a sudden become the hero of the story. We are not the heroes. We're a gritty group of kind of jacked up people that Jesus has saved and is in the process of transforming. Do you look like you used to look? No, praise God for that. But don't take too much credit. And don't forget where you came from. Don't forget your roots. Don't forget your family. Like, don't forget that. You know where you came from. That's really important to understand because that is what gives us salt and light to the world. People that can understand, man, I remember what it, when it was so hard to get out of sin like that. I still remember. I still know. It's just sometimes the sin changes or the temptation changes or the whatever. It's like we are all just desperately in a need of the grace of God as priests as representatives of, of Christ, now made whole, now made cleansed, which was part of the deal with the priests, right? They had to be cleansed before they went in. We're cleansed, what? By the great high priest, the blood that's shed for us, body broken, blood shed for us, the bread and the wine, get it? You know, hey, okay, Melchizedek, you're on to something. And then we represent that and bring that to the whole world. And, and, and we, we bring it with truth and honesty and realness. We, were, we uh, did youth on Friday night, and we, had, uh, we were in John chapter 6, and it's the section where um, Jesus is like, if you don't eat my body, you can have nothing to do with me. And they're just like, hold up. <laughs> he says, by the way, if you don't drink my blood, you can't have anything to do with me. And they're like, this is nuts. <laughs> like, I saw him do some miracles, but like, this is straight cannibalism. Does anybody else hear this? And so everybody's like looking at this like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't know what to do with any of this. And they're confused and many of them walk away that day. They're like, who could know what he's talking about? We have no idea. And so then Jesus turns to his disciples and he's like, you guys gonna leave too? And what does Peter say? It's my favorite verse. He's like, I, 
I, I, I have nowhere else to go. You have the words to eternal life. We come to believe you're the Christ. There's nowhere else for us to go. So you know what? What Peter's admitting in that moment? I have no idea what you're talking about either. <laughs> but I'm convinced that you're the one that I need to follow. So there's a lot of stuff in my life I don't fully understand or know. By the way, I think in the church, we need to be really, really careful acting like we know things that we do not know. We need to be really honest and work stuff out with one another. With faith, that's the thing. Peter's like, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. I know that. Uh, I don't know what to do with any of these other things in my life. No clue what to do with them, like what you're saying. No clue. But I'm gonna hang out with you. I'm just going to hang out with you. I'm going to stay here. Uh, it was a good choice, wasn't it? But that's the part where we go, this is, this, is, this is real. This is raw. You know, when you're sitting there with someone and maybe someone's dying and you're with them and you go, I don't know what to say to you right now. You know, and, and, and the last thing people want to hear is, oh, they're in a better place. And oh, you know, wow, this is really, really great. You know, because they're in heaven. You're like, oh, you will eventually get to that point. <laughs> but right now, we're called to, like a priest, sympathize with weakness and pain. Like in Galatians, it talks about bearing one another's burdens, meeting people where they're at. How do we do that if we've got our walls set so high and the, you know, a moat around it and the drawbridge is up? How do you meet people who are broken and hurting and have questions? They're not gonna ask us if we're arrogant. But anyway, Jesus is this, the great high priest. We are now our Christians, which means what? Christ followers, where we're ambassadors like Adam was supposed to be a priest, where everywhere he went, he was supposed to bring this creative element and life and cultivation and, and beauty and order. We too are supposed to have all these things because now our lives have been reordered. If you think back, when you were living in sin, especially, and it was unchecked, was your life full of order or chaos? Chaos. Whether it was visible from the outside or it was all in the mind. And you go, I don't know, I, I can't sleep. I need more, you know, melatonin or something. You know, not to say that there's other reasons not to, but there's chaos inside. Because what is G what's Satan called? He's like the chaos monster. But what does Jesus do? He's like, he brings peace. He brings order. He brings life. He brings rest. Come to me, all you who labor. You know, heavy, heavy laden, who are laboring. I've got, I've got rest for you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And so we got to remember that that is where we come and we bring life into the world. We bring hope, but we can't give something we do not have. So that went a little longer than that than I thought I was going to. So now consider how great this man was to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. Abraham received a blessing from him who would, he would consider greater. He gave him a tenth to honor him. It's like the tithe to, towards him, to honor him. He's like, this guy blessed me here. He's like setting it up, right? Verse 
5. And indeed, those who are of the sons of Levi who received the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law. Uh, that is, from their brethren, though they not come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them, of whom it is witness that he lives. Even Levi, who received tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak. For he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. This is all pointing to the fact that Melchizedek was viewed as greater in the eyes of Abraham. And you know what this is saying? The Jesus type of priesthood is greater than being part of the children of Abraham. Jesus is, is, is still higher than that. This was, it's all subject to that. Your lineage and your background uh, were a blessing. It was a really good thing, but it was all pointing to Jesus. So if you got to that point where you're like, you, you made it this far, and then you decided, yeah, but I think my lineage is actually more important than, than, than Christ, you are wrong. Because it was Melchizedek that blessed Abraham. The lesser is blessed by the greater. The greater is the one that can bless the lesser. Uh, I, I don't do it enough. I, 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 we heard that Pastor Ed Ray, we're going back to Redlands days, okay. We got, so I got, we got the Redlands crew here today, all right. I remember, yeah, yeah, let's go. Packing house circa 2002, all right. Uh, but he had mentioned using, uh, uh, blessing your children, like using opportunities to bless them, to like put your hand on them and bless them. Like it's, and in a sense, you're speaking life into them. Like not to say that it's like a weird name it, claim it thing, but there's something about taking your role as the greater in that relationship and saying, I'm gonna do everything I can to bless you. I'm gonna raise you in this. And may the Lord just use you. May you be part of the next generation that we don't look at in trepidation like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we had kids in this generation. You'd be like, that's why they're here. This is, this is you want to see, you want to see God do something gnarly? It's probably this next generation. Because the, the, the status quo, everyone goes to youth group, everyone goes to church, does not breed warriors, you know, as, as a whole. The ones that are, that just, every, when everybody kind of has a fake, not to say that's bad to do those things, but like when it's kind of like a fake foe, you know, yeah, here's our battle. And you're like, that's not a battle, you know, that's not really the battle. But when, when it's up against darkness and light and, and hatred and love and, and hope versus hopelessness, those who, what we've been talking about in Hebrews, continue to trust God in his promises, even when it makes no sense to see God come through. That's a generation that will see God do some crazy stuff. So we bless them. We put our hand, anyway, so that's a side note. But Levi's under Abraham, right? So that all the priesthood is already under Abraham. Melchizedek is above Abraham. And Melchizedek, again, is a type. And so the, the priesthood of Christ is greater than that of Levi. 
the Levitical priest line began and it ended. This priest, priestly, priesthood, priest line did not. The lineage did not. It did not end. It didn't have a beginning or an end. At least that's how we've seen Melchizedek is this glimpse of a guy that comes from nowhere seemingly, but seemingly seems like he's been there forever and then disappears, but then also seems like he's still there. <laughs> the picture of Jesus. And it's such a beautiful hyperlink to Christ. And the more hyperlinks you see in the Old Testament to Christ, I mean, I'm telling you, the more it builds your faith. A book written so far. I love good, good like, Easter eggs or glimpses of things in movies, you know, or, or shows. Maybe you watch a show and it has like eight seasons and there was something put in season one that was so seemingly insignificant, but in season eight, it all came to fruition and you found out it was the key to the whole thing. Do you know what you think about? What an amazing writer. What an amazing Picture, and it's almost like the smaller the thing was, the more amazing it was. Because it was like, there was no fanfare. It was like, oh, here you go, this is this guy. And that's what we get in this story of Melchizedek. You know, uh, um, Hollywood does this stuff, obviously. They also do a lot of other stuff. Um, but I was like looking up different like images and Easter eggs or whatever, and I found this one from Indiana Jones, right? Who was, dire was directed by George Lucas, who also, made some other movies you might have heard of, right? Which is what? Star Wars, yes. So uh, uh, in The Adventures and the Search of the Lost Ark, there's a scene with, have you guys seen this one before? There's like, high, high, um, how do you say it? Hieroglyphics on the, you know, on the side. And so look at, do you see what it is? It's right, have you guys seen this before? Who is that? R2-D2 and C-3PO. That's pretty cool, right? Like, it's like, that's something that it's almost like no one would ever notice it except for the people that did it. And then someone did. And they blew it up. Isn't that cool? I just love that because you go, wow, what attention to detail. What a cool, like, way of tying that all together. And the Bible is 100% full of these that span thousands of years through, through uh, tens of authors, right? That's insane. That God has set us and left us such a beautiful lineage of his faithfulness, of his plan from the very beginning in Adam, in the failure, in the fall. Yeah, but there's gonna be one that comes from the woman that's gonna be crushing that serpent, by the way to this glimpse of this high priest, right? To Moses, who's rescued those who were enslaved. It's like slavery to sin. And then are brought out and are now being able to give a relationship with God through the cleansing and through the, the damnation of the waters. It's like a baptism of a, in, in a sense, right? Through this King David, the Davidic uh, uh, covenant, kingdom covenant of king to Jesus. And so at this point, do we go, he's been right so far, but I think, I think he's ran out of juice. After he sent his son, fulfilling prophecies everywhere, 
living, dying, rising again from the dead on the third day, being seen by hundreds of eyewitnesses, many of whom would die for that sake, to follow him. He has left us a witness. Melchizedek is one of them. There's many others. But we have a priest that has no beginning or no end. And that's as mind-blowing as that is, it is insanely reassuring. Because everything we know is beginnings and ends. And this speaks to an eternity where there's none of that with a great high priest that has paved the way. And what does he bring for, listen, refreshment? He refreshes him with what? The bread and the wine. You've been blessed. Now here you go. Here's your refreshment. The body of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. What do we do with this? What do we say? What do you say? Eat my body and drink my blood? And Jesus is like, you'll get it. <laughs> Just hang out a little longer. It'll all make sense. And then now what do we know? First Corinthians, do this in remembrance of me. You know, in the Gospels and then First Corinthians, do this in remembrance of me. Take the cup. Take the, we'll do it next week. Should have done it this week because it you know, would have worked perfectly, but. Take the blood, I mean, the, 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 the bread or the wafer, and you take it, and it's his body. You recognize it's his body that was broken for us. We take the blood, the cup, the juice, the wine, whatever. It represents his blood, and the blood was the covering, the kofar, the atonement. Where is that from? Passover, but so much greater than Passover. Jesus fulfilled all of it. I am the lamb that's slain for you for the remission of sins. I get pumped on this stuff. I was like amped out of my, yeah, you know. This, we're gonna talk more, a little more about it next week, so hopefully you join us. But um, be so excited about the fact that Jesus is uh, so, there was no like, oh my gosh, I should send my son real quick. Uh, this, was, this was from the beginning to the end. And what does that tell you about God? He has got a, a, a level of knowledge and understanding that we cannot fathom. Let your calibration of that with your own knowledge and understanding, like let's put them in place. God, you know, I don't know. It might make no sense to me right now. I'm gonna follow you even when it makes no sense. Abraham, you're gonna have a baby even though you're 90. Even when it makes no sense, continue to trust me and watch what I'll do. Not only will you have a baby, you will be a mighty nation. And he was. We're still talking about him to today. Why? Because God is faithful, even when it makes no sense. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to join us in person, head over to steadfastcarlsbad.com for more info. God bless.